Hello and welcome to another episode of Hit or Miss, a baseball podcast hosted by me, Alexandra Aguila. And today we are recording episode 16 on Monday, January 16th. This episode is being recorded the same day it's going to be released, so that's super quick and easy. Um, Yeah, so new week, new episode. We're going to talk strictly about baseball, things that happened, and it really wasn't quite interesting this week. I mean... Not a lot of trades, as we know, the trade market is starting to kind of simmer down and condense into just a couple more players and not a lot of big names on there. And like I said, free agents are probably for the most part gone, but there's still a few guys out there um, who are going to sign on probably small minor league deals or we just recently had the international signing day happen. So things like that, but nothing really big, nothing really that's going to grab people's attentions, no headlines. I think that has already passed as we kind of trickle in into almost the start of spring training, which begins in February, which is super exciting. So yeah, so we're just going to talk about a few little things here and there, things to address. And yeah, so let's get into this week's episode. Okay, so the first thing I kind of want to talk about is obviously kind of like the big news, I guess, that really happened over the last few days, which was the signing of Carlos Correa. As we know, I talked about it before, so much drama happened with Carlos Correa. And to be honest, at the beginning, it was like interesting because it was like, okay, where is he going to go? You know, um, he's on the free agent market this year and there was a chance that the Twins were going to re-sign him. But at the same time, his contract had a lot of holes in it last year, so it didn't look too promising. And then... Um, obviously which team didn't want him like the Mets were in on him the Giants were in on him um, the Cubs were in on him a lot of teams were looking at Carlos Correa and potentially made offers and it ultimately came down to at first we saw the Giants but then the whole physical issue and then the Mets trickled in and kind of swooped in and got him but then they were also concerned about the physical and It ultimately ended up in the hands of the Minnesota Twins, who have officially signed Carlos Correa to a six-year, $200 million deal, which can max out at $270 million, which I'm glad that it's signed and it's over because I think it was lingering for way too long. He was was like, well, I say acquired, meaning like he was in talks with the Mets that, you know, he was potentially most likely going to sign there for a good week or two and then nothing really happened you really didn't hear much and then here the Tigers go in I mean I'm sorry the Twins go in and sign him so I'm kind of glad (laughs) that everything has kind of come to an end with that and now we for sure know where Carlos Correa is going to play in the 2023 season so that's something good um I just think It just lingered on for way too long. It was a lot of drama with injuries and things like that. And then there was a lot of confusion between every organization in Major League Baseball. I feel like nobody really knew the kind of core and sense of the injury. And ultimately, the the twins who had Carlos Correa last year were really the only ones who were informed about that issue. And like the, I mean, the, the, I keep saying Tigers. I keep getting a mix up. Like I said, the twins like the twins organization came out and said a statement that they didn't know what anybody was worried about like they thought that they they're thinking I think their mindset right now is that everything's okay with Carlos Correa even though like I said he was on and off the IL last year so their mentality right now is like kind of like 
they don't know not that they don't know what's going on but I feel as if like they're treating the injury like nothing because they came out and kind of were like saying how um it really wasn't a big deal or they don't know how you know it why it took so long for other teams to go and get him things like that either way he ended up back in Minnesota which was eh, not I don't think surprising to say the least I feel like it definitely was a possibility, and the Twins were definitely amongst one of those teams that were on, in on him throughout the whole free agency process, but I do think Carlos Correa being a big name, obviously, with Houston, and honestly, he is a really good shortstop. Um, it would make sense for him to go to a bigger market team, you know, such as the Giants or the Mets, and, you know, him promoting New York on his social media accounts, things like that. It kind of leaned towards the way of the Mets, but it turned the other direction and headed towards the Midwest. So he returns to Minnesota. Um, wish him luck there. I think it's going to be interesting to see, first of all, how the Twins are going to do this season and how he's going to play, if he's going to play a lot of games, if he's still going to be consistently on and off the IL, you know. So it's going to be interesting to see that, and I guess progress over the injury in a way I don't know I think it's just going to be not exciting to see but it's gonna be like I keep saying interesting because at the end of the day he has an injury that caused a lot of issues amongst many clubs and kind of was a red flag to all these teams and the twins go and sign him for it wasn't a cheap deal 200 mil for six years it could max out at 270 it probably will so it's not cheap so it's gonna be like interesting to see if they're really gonna just pay for him to play a couple of games and not even the whole season this year and then you know how that's gonna progress in the future but yeah so that's kind of my take on that um like I said interesting and exciting for Carlos Correa to see where that's gonna go but he goes back to the Twin Cities and let's talk about the next thing. Um, This is a little bit more business related, if you will, but I kind of wanted to address it because it's a, it's kind of a big issue, I think, especially for me, because I'm kind of not a part of the issue, but I take, I take part in being one of the people who uh, faces this issue. So Major League Baseball is going to begin to address the blackout issue that they're having. So if you don't know what that is, and if you know, you're unaware of the situation. Basically, we know that MLB offers MLB TV, which is basically kind of like NFL Red Zone, I think it is, or like, and like, you know how you could pay for, um, to like NFL for, to watch all these like games that aren't necessarily in your region, things like that. So it's kind of like almost a streaming service, but you get to watch every single Major League Baseball game on MLB TV because I don't have like, for example, like my favorite team, the Chicago Cubs, play on marquee now which is their own network that's by the cubs but i don't get marquee on my tv provider so in order to do that i got mlb tv but what they don't tell you or i guess what i think it is said but i think which is kind of odd is that you pay for mlb tv but it won't let you watch games within your region so for example like i can't watch cubs games on mlb tv So basically, I just paid to watch every single team besides my own. Um, 
so yeah, so that's kind of like the big issue that a lot of people are having. And then especially in places such as like Detroit or what was another one? I think it was Iowa who can't watch any games like in their surrounding areas. So I guess like that's that's been a big issue because basically fans are paying for this service and they're not even getting the opportunity or getting the availability to watch their favorite team. So it it has its perks because I think, you know, it's cool to be able to watch, you know, every single Yankees game or every single Dodgers game that isn't on national TV. But for the most part, those games are. Um, but if, you know, your favorite team is all across the country, you know, then it makes sense. But for example, for people who, like me, who don't have, you know, the certain network that their favorite team is played on, it it kind of makes no sense to get MLB TV if that's not even going to allow you to watch it. Because kind of the whole purpose of MLB TV is for you to watch every single Major League Baseball game. But blackouts do apply. So, yeah, so apparently MLB is going to address that issue in the upcoming future and this year, I suppose, because they hired a new vice president executive of media. And I guess he's going to oversee that. And I think that's, he said that's one of his kind of issues that he's going to address first and kind of a big problem that he wants to go over. Uh, Billy Chambers is the new um, executive vice president of regional sports, things like that. He did work in other sports networks prior to this, but he kind of takes over that position in the MLB office. So like I said, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how this goes because I'm gonna, oh, last week, or last weekend, I was at CubsCon, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in uh, Friday's episode, so if you want to stay tuned for that, make sure to check out Friday's episode, but I was at CubsCon last weekend, and they had a little panel with Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins, who are the, uh, um, Jed Hoyer is the president of baseball operations and then Carter Hawkins is the general manager of the Cubs. So they had a panel talking about, you know, baseball operations, things like that. And somebody asked a question about MLB blackouts, like, are they going to be able to do anything about that? Things like that. And I guess what people don't realize, really realize or don't like notice is that blackouts aren't a team issue. They're a major league baseball issue. So it's not really up to the GM or for the president or even the owner to kind of discuss those matters. It's really in the hands of Rob Manfred and his team um, to kind of discuss those things. So I think that was kind of interesting to see because I, I, I see why like a lot of people are like can wonder why um, it would be kind of more of a team issue and an organization thing. But yeah, no, it's definitely um, kind of a league thing. So that issue is going to be addressed soon and hopefully it gets fixed and stuff like that so that people can be watching what they paid for, you know? So anyways, that was something I really wanted to talk about. Moving on, let's talk about how Major League Baseball reaches a new revenue record. This is kind of like shocking or shocking. I think it was shocking to all, surprising, but it's also pretty cool, I think. So Major League Baseball reached a new revenue record of $10.8 billion in the 2022 season, which surpasses the previous record of $10.7 billion in 2019. So that's, you know, off of ticket sales, off of, you know, the income from food. Obviously, a portion of that goes to Major League Baseball, things like that. So 
quite quite a little bit of like the increase I should say and then yeah I think they just had a lot of help from like tv networks as well like with the new um games on apple tv as well as on what is it nbc had a few games as well and yeah just like the regular espn fox tbs things like that definitely helped out but i feel like the apple tv was something new and i think brought a lot of people's attention but that's going to be super interesting to see how that goes this year because i think last season was like their first season doing it and it was like a trial run type of deal and it was free but now i don't know if it's going to be free anymore I think you're going to have to pay, like, or, like, subscribe to, like, Apple TV Plus or something to watch those games, which may be, like, kind of annoying. So, I don't know how that's going to work out. It's going to be interesting to see this season. But anyways, TV networks definitely helped, and then the attendance in ballparks also jumped by 42.3%, which is pretty good because, obviously, you know, the COVID year in 2020 definitely was an all-time low. Um, 2021 brought a lot more people in the stands, but still precautions were made, safety things had to be done. And then this season, I feel, or for the previous season, I feel like definitely was a little bit more lenient and people felt more comfortable um, and kind of going back to that quote unquote sense of normal um, around the ballpark. So yeah, new record of income for Major League Baseball. I thought that was pretty cool to share. Um, Let's see. I want to talk about players. So let's dive into a headline recently. Frankie Montas. If you don't know who Frankie Montas is, he is a right-handed pitcher. Previously on the A's last year, got traded last year as well to the Yankees. And he's a very, very good pitcher. Um, Had like a 3.29 somewhere around there last season with the Athletics. You know, that was before he got traded to the Yankees. He got traded to the Yankees but he wasn't 100% healthy. He's really never been 100% healthy since like mm, 2021, I believe. I think that was his only year that he was full 100%. I, I forgot, you know, the days, but I know for sure that his career hasn't been pretty steady. So he is currently, you know, on the Yankees and he's on a one-year deal for, I'm pretty sure it was around 7.5 million and that was to avoid arbitration so they recently reached that deal but he has been announced to most likely miss the first month of the season which is kind of pretty big because he's definitely a part was a part of that starting rotation for the Yankees a big part of it too with Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez Um, they now have Rodon Rodon and then Luis Severino. So he was definitely a part of that rotation. Probably would have slid into the five spot. But now that he's been kind of, for the most part, been ruled out, it does play a big factor into how the Yankees pitching rotation is going to look like for the season. Um, with that, I think it's going to definitely, there's going to have to be a new guy put in. And I'm leaning towards Domingo Herman. But I don't know for sure. I feel like Clark Schmidt could also be a like not a could also be an option. I feel like his name could be thrown in the mix if you want to. But 
um, those two guys may fill in the role for him, at least for the month that he's going to miss. Um, but yeah, so inflammatory shoulder stuff that he's been dealing with for a while. Um, but yeah, so like I said, it wasn't, he wasn't healthy in 2022. He only had eight starts with the Yankees and then had a ERA of like 6.3. So it's definitely kind of been turned in the opposite direction in the past few years. So missing that first month is going to be hard, but I believe, you know, if he can't pitch like the reason that they trade, that they got him in the trade for, then there's really no point, you know, then put in Domingo, put in, you know, Clark if you wanted to, but yeah, so he's going to miss the first month of the season. Hopefully he can come back soon and be included in that rotation and finally start to kind of get close to a year of pitching with the Yankees. But um, yeah, so kind of wanted to share that news. Um, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see who fills that role for the Yankees um, this season. I don't think it's going to affect them a lot just because Garrett Cole is obviously a really good pitcher. Nasty Nestor speaks for himself. And then obviously with Carlos Rodon, it's, it's, it's a really hard pitching rotation. So adding in or subtracting a guy who it has has been good in past years may not affect the team as much but it's going to be exciting to see anyways wanted to address that the next thing I want to talk about is the arbitration issues that went on so if you don't know um, arbitration went on last weekend I'm pretty sure this past weekend and some players couldn't reach a deal. For the most part, if you don't have Twitter notifications on for John Heyman, then you were lucky or, you know, you were smart because let me tell you, I had Twitter notifications on and my phone kept buzzing and buzzing and buzzing because he would post every single time. Nico Horner reached a deal with the Cubs. Ian Happ reached a deal with the Cubs. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. reached a deal with the Blue Jays every single second like separate tweet for each single guy so my phone was blowing up but anyways um a lot of players did make an arbitration deal but there were some names that really didn't which were a little bit intriguing so let's get into that I kind of just want to name them really quick so Max Fried is kind of a big guy up there who I wanted to talk a little bit more about um, is going into arbitration again for the second year he did last year as well with the Braves um, this is a little bit interesting. Max Freed, obviously, like we know, he's a really good pitcher and a consistent pitcher, definitely one of the most consistent players for the Braves pitching wise and even in the NL. So he's, a, he reminds me a little bit more of like a young Kyle Hendricks, like the, like when Kyle Hendricks was in his prime, but Max Freed, a really good pitcher, unfortunately has to go through arbitration again and they can't just reach a deal, which is surprising because I feel like he obviously wants a lot of money, and I do think he deserves a lot of money because of the consistency that he has on the field. So, um, yeah, they go through arbitration again, unfortunately, this year. Corbin Burns, another pitcher, Milwaukee, couldn't meet deal going through arbitration. Um, Hunter Renfro with the Angels outfielder. Glaber Torres, Yankees shortstop, could not reach a deal. So this kind of just... Uh, like adds on to all the rumors about Glaber Torres getting traded. Um, I mean, it's a possibility now, you know, that they didn't get the deal done. So now it's, 
I I think it definitely increased the chances of him getting traded. They have Oswaldo Cabrera. Um, they have IKF, I guess. But, I mean, I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. We'll see about that. Uh, Jeff McNeil, New York Mets, utility guy. Um, really good player. Could really play around everywhere. Goes through arbitration. And then Kyle Tucker, reigning World Series winner has been is going to go through arbitration with the Astros and then Bobachet with the Blue Jays is going to go through arbitration as well. Tony Goslin for with the Dodgers and then Christian Javier another guy with the Astros and then to kind of close us off Genesis Cabrera with the Cardinals. So kind of interesting to see all these big name players go towards arbitration. Um Hopefully they get a deal out. They work a deal out. I feel like most of them, for the most part, are fighting for the money that they deserve. Um, and hopefully they win that deal. But yeah, just want to quickly mention that since arbitration did go on this past weekend. And let's talk about another player. Andrew McCutcheon, who returns to Pittsburgh for maybe his final run? We don't know. We don't know. Um, he signs a one-year deal with the Pirates for $5 million. And Andrew McCutcheon is a guy who's been in the league for a long time. He signed with originally with the Pirates. He was a first-round draft pick in 2005. So he's coming back to the place where it all started. And everybody kind of says it's kind of like a last-ride type of deal. So um, it's kind of nice. I don't know. I like it when players do that. I feel like it It means a lot to the city that of Pittsburgh. So, yeah, I kind of just want to mention that. Andrew McCutcheon has been just been such an incredible player for his career. So, I like that he's back in Pittsburgh. I feel like I always liked him there. So, he's been around a lot. He's been around the league a lot. So, him returning is really, really nice for Pittsburgh fans. Um, So, let's wrap this episode up because this is the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about. I really don't have anything else. Like I said, I think having to do these one episode a week type things maybe have been working out because there's not really much to talk about. We're towards like that point in the season where everything is starting to simmer down. Obviously, off-season is still occurring and deals are being made, trades are happening, things like that, but nothing too interesting to spark many people's interest. So yeah, the last thing I wanted to talk about was a trade. Miguel Rojas goes back to LA where he debuted there in 2014, I believe, and he goes back, leaves Miami. He was there for a long time, and it got emotional. Um, definitely a big part of that Marlins organization and kind of just increases the questions of what the Marlins are going to do. The Marlins have a lot of talent, and unfortunately, the puzzle pieces like haven't connected yet, and nothing has been really going on, especially their pitching is really good. But I, I think they have a really good potential, like, young team with potential but it's kind of just going everywhere um and then with this trade of Miguel Rojas it's going to be interesting to see what the Marlins are going to do this season and then in the foreseeable future but anyways I just wanted to talk on him a little bit he goes back to LA super exciting for him and he's super excited too he's going to like finish out the rest of his two-year deal so spend that one year in LA for five million 
in the 2023 season. He does play in the infield, so maybe kind of take that place of Trey Turner. Um, Like we know, the Dodgers lost a lot of star players recently, and I feel like they lost a lot of power this offseason. And they've gained guys, but not really in the same return as how they lost them. So it's going to be interesting to see. I do think that they are relying heavily on their farm system and on their prospects, as they should, as they should, because they have a really, really nice farm system, one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league, and um, I think this, it's come to the time where they have to start turning to them, and it's going to be super exciting to see how these young guys are going to perform, so yeah, so that's really the last thing I wanted to talk about in this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. There will be another episode on Friday and stay tuned for that one because that one's going to be a fun one, an interesting one. I'm going to talk about my first CubsCon experience, the truth about CubsCon, how it all went down, um, how I experienced it. And yeah, so a little bit of kind of stories that I'm going to share. That's what we're going to talk about there. Some new signings about the Cubs, you know, things like that, because don't sleep on the 2023 Chicago Cubs, let me tell you, because they're coming back. We're coming back. So anyways, like I said, thank you guys again so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. And I will, if I won't see you guys, if you guys won't be here to listen on Friday, I will, you will hear from me on Monday, next Monday. So thank you guys again so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. 